Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Poisoner's Cabinet. I'm Sinead. And I'm Nick. And this is your weekly podcast exploring macabre murders and poisoning cases from across the centuries and creating curious cocktails inspired by the tales that we tell. And it's only season two. Season two. We made it. We're back. We're back and you can't get rid of us. We're back with a vengeance, with cocktails, with drinks. Oh, so many drinks. Oh, yes, we haven't drunk in two weeks, people. Nice. <laughs> well, we are very, very excited to be back doing the main episode after what seems like an eternity, but has been but two weeks. Does it seem like eternity? Doesn't it? No, not at all. No. <laughs> can, I have, can, I have, can I have another two weeks off, please? <laughs> <laughs> We're milking this for all it's worth. Thank you for everyone who has stuck with us, who has spent this tiny break joining us over on Patreon, sending lovely reviews to us and sending us lovely messages and many pictures of you all enjoying cocktails. It has kept us warm inside, even though we're really dead behind the eyes. This is true. How has your two-week vacation been, Nick? Did you you travel? Did you go anywhere? (laughs) Oh, so so many things. I saw (laughs) saw so many sights. I met up with so many people. It was an exciting rollercoaster of an adventure from my sofa. (laughs) No, I'm picturing you on a train with a hat and a, and a lovely suitcase on the way to Monte Carlo. <laughs> Swilling a martini on the train. As, as a... I go on the train. Yes. <laughs> Sir, please, we'll serve you martinis. <laughs> as I just walk down the platform, swilling a martini. In people's faces. <laughs> nice. Nice, I like that. Good, that's nice. You got in touch with yourself. Then why am I saying that? I have no idea. <laughs> I've, I've had a very productive two weeks. Have you? Yes, I, uh, I, saw, a, I saw an owl. Have you written the year's worth of uh, season two? That you promised. Get all the episodes written. Are we are we there? Yep. Yep. Good. 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 Glad to hear it. I'll I'll, I'll show you it tomorrow. Excellent. As long as we know it's sorted and we're good to go. Of course, we're raring to go. Raring to go. Well, how are you, Nick? I'm I'm good. Oh wait, it's 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 interesting because it's something different. My episode this week. So to to go in a completely different direction of a non poisony thing. Yes. Is, yeah. Was the, the whole of human history to choose from? Just open the book of murder. Open the book <laughs> of death, and like, I went that one. As you know, into season two, we've decided to shake things up a bit, as is our want, and we will still continue to cover poisoning cases but we're going to open it up to more macabre murders weird strange deadly tales from years gone by there's just too many damn weird murder cases for us not to cover so it's going to (laughs) be no holds barred absolutely could be anything anything could happen well speaking of macabre murders and strange things that have happened through history uh, i think it's time for us to thank all of our patreon subscribers who have joined us in the last two weeks absolutely that is quite a, a historical thing it was it was read out on the news thank you for the delightful people thank you to Renee Lindsay to Nicole Pinko to Rian Hill to Helga Aradotir to Spencer Wallace to Joy Bond to Erica to Kitty Howard to Kelly Kilosu to Matt Braille to Jennifer Bradley to Samantha Pearmain and Louisa Byland thank you so much guys thank you well we hope you have been enjoying all the patreon that has been happening in the past couple of weeks oh yes you are all very very sexy 13 of them that's a very sexy number and anyone else out there you don't know what you're missing people trying to compete about how many episodes they can listen to in a day (laughs) then re-listening to all of the main episodes well done people well done we really really appreciate your generosity and your support well nick hello are you ready to drink cocktails and talk about poison. Oh, I thought you were going to change it up. No. Well, not after the debacle of the first time I tried to change something where we had to turn off the podcast and have a 10-minute debate. That's because you changed it badly. 
Or we could drink poison and talk about cocktails. I have a feeling that's the way that you probably want to go. <laughs> <laughs> Should we go with the first one? Let's let's do it. Let's do let's it. Go with the first one. Let's go with the first one. Hooray! It's time for a story, a lovely story to start off season two, but we can't, we can't, we can't possibly start season two without an epic cocktail in hand. No, no, no. Absolutely not. It is Nick's story. So he got to choose the secret ingredient. Every week we select a secret ingredient that is inspired by the tale that we tell and it will flavour our cocktail of the week. And Nick... This week's secret ingredient is... Is acid. Acid. Lovely, (laughs) lovely, tasty, tasty acid. This is real acid, so I want to see goggles, people. (laughs) My kitchen has been a a laboratory (laughs) of cocktail experimentation. There have been Bunsen burners and test tubes and all sorts of things going on. It's been very exciting. It was an excuse for you to wear a scientist coat and a fabulous hat. Yes, absolutely. At the same time. <laughs> Acid. Hmm. 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 As our ingredient of the week. Now, of course, you could have just delivered me a vat of sulfuric acid and told me to drink it. Entirely possible. And I would have done it. I trust you implicitly. But uh, maybe thinking that you've gone a little bit of a curveball with the acid, not trying to kill me, maybe trying to make something possibly delicious. Hopefully so. I I can only hope. So with acid then, as the inspiration, as the secret ingredient, what have you come up with? (laughs) Well. (laughs) (laughs) I love it when your explanations start with well. Buckle in, guys. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) A little strokey beard action going on now. Big strokey beard action going on. (laughs) I have made, I've made you a jungle bird cocktail wow okay but not any jungle bird <laughs> right a clarified jungle bird a clarified jungle bird i have put it through <gasps> such chemical <laughs> experimentation <laughs> that it has made an entirely new and splendid drink okay i'm excited jungle bird beautiful 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 uh jungly jungly Beautiful sort of tiki cocktail. Is it? Okay, good. I was thinking about the bird. That was all I was thinking about. <laughs> what does a jungle bird look like? It's a parrot. I don't know. <laughs> but jungle bird, but clarified. Now I'm excited about clarified because this makes me think that you've gone all experimenty. I've gone slightly experimenty. Yay! You've because knocked it, it up a notch for season two. Well, with I mean, with acid, there is a, there's a lot you can do with acid. I can 100% attest to that. Not based <laughs> on my festival past. Not at all. So obviously there's a lot of acids used in cocktails. Well, you have your general sort of citric acids and things like that that come from your lemons and limes and stuff and a lot of cocktail bars and things now will uh, use acid enhanced they will will add acid citric acid or malic acid or um, phosphoric acid sometimes a tiny (laughs) tiny amount because it's quite strong (laughs) it'll kill you (laughs) to enhance and develop flavour. Um, exciting. Which is quite an exciting process. Yes, it's very in. There was a period of time that that, that was very, very in. Chemically kind of smoking, Bunsen burnery, as you said, test tube mm. vials of stuff being served out with, with cocktails vaguely in them. Absolutely. Yes, indeed. A lot of the acid-based cocktail usage started off um, there was a bar in London about 10 years or so ago whose main ethos was trying to do a sort of reduced waste and more eco-friendly cocktails and they started experimenting with predominantly citric acid but then other acids came in, in as well to try and replace and get rid of the use of citrus fruit oh okay lemons and limes not native to the uk no no a lot of shipping a lot of air miles a lot of carbon footprint to bring um and they were getting through crates upon crates of uh, lemons and limes did experimentation to artificially create those flavors that's crazy i love it which is very very clever this is entirely pointless i'm not doing one of those cocktails i'm just going off off on an acid you've gone off on an acid trip have you nick (laughs) no it's good people love a little history excerpt from nick so i had initially wanted to make one of those cocktails they quite famously did a uh, limeless daiquiri using a fake lime which was entirely made up using uh, a combination of different acids but i just could not get those ingredients in time see i have packets of um powdered citric acid downstairs citric acid is very easy to get hold of um it's the other ones which are a bit more a bit more tricksy and take a bit more time i only have citric acid because i've convinced myself i can make my own bath bombs <laughs> and uh, i'm sure that will work out well but in my reading about what to make for this week um i came across a so we say a process that is involves acid <laughs> is it drugs it's not 
It's a the process of <laughs> clarification involving <laughs> involving acids. This really does sound like the preamble to a horrible Victorian murder. <laughs> the process of clarification involving acids. I will cleanse you, my dear, in this bath full of acid. <laughs> so you know what? Before before I tell you more. <laughs> I want you to try this cocktail before I go into more detail. There's a lot more coming. You know what? I'm I'm loving it already. We are starting season two with a curious, crazy cocktail. Nick has delivered me the ingredients in a beautiful acid-like bottle. So I think it's time for us to go into our isolation kitchens and shake up a storm. So we'll see you in a minute. We'll see you in a bit. And we're back. Hello. A clarified jungle bird, Nick. It looks very delightful. I'm excited. Mm, as am I. So, a goldeny, yellowy hue. Mm. Should I be suspicious? <laughs> you should, but not for the reason you think. All right. Okay, because it's, it's quite yellowy and goldeny. It could be uriny. It could be uriny. It does have that sort of sample sort of <laughs> appearance to it. It does look quite like a kind of drippy yellow acid that you would see in a sci-fi film. <laughs> I'm scared. Give it a go. Give it a go. You're not going to tell me what's I'm in it. I'm not going to tell you what's in it. No. So let's smell it first. Hang on. Ooh, symphony of flavours. Mm. Let's try. Cheers. Cheers. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> oh, well, oh, oh, okay. Okay, there's the aftertaste. There's the aftertaste. There it is. Oh, no. Ooh. I think that's very Oh, my nice. goodness. Oh, my goodness, Nick. That's so kind. <laughs> <laughs> that's lovely. Oh, it does taste jungly. I don't know why. <laughs> tropical. <laughs> tropical. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that tastes delicious. I'm, I'm, a little, I'm a little in a flutter. <laughs> Much like a jungle bird. Oh. Right. So I'm going to try and guess some stuff before yep. you explain it. Hang on. Do it, do it, do it. So it's got a really sweet uh, smell. Every time I every time I smell things or taste them, my the sensible part of my brain goes out the window on this podcast. Normally, I'd be able to go, "Oh, it's that flavour," but then when I'm under pressure, I go, "It's slime," and it's like it's chocolate. Shut up! <laughs> so I'm intrigued if you will get anything that's in here. I feel like there's coconut in it. I don't know why I'm going coconut, or maybe it's Galliano or vanilla. Maybe some banana because you've got that. Nope, 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 nope. What? No, Jesus. There's something sweet and something sweet and tropical in there, like a maybe pineapple. You got yo, oh. yes. Oh, there a uh, pineapple. A hint, a hint of pineapple. You tell me before I just stumble down this horrible path. Okay. Um, spiced rum. Oh, really? Okay. Campari. What? <laughs> pineapple. Right. Lime, and sugar. How is there Campari in this? And what? The secret ingredient. No. The, se- the, the second, second secret ingredient. Okay, right. Milk. What? What? <laughs> I, was, I, I swear I thought you were going to say acid. No. <laughs> so I'm, I'm thinking the, ac- the lime is the acid. What the what? The what? Milk is... This is... Guys, you will see the picture of this this <laughs> evening. This is clear yellow absolutely clear it looks like a, a sweet crystal. wine crystal clear what the what devilry has happened <laughs> to this i'm now going to send Sinead some pictures that i will also post when we have the the cocktail goes up okay. to see what it looked like yesterday okay this is one you have to make a bit in advance <laughs> but you've had time <laughs> <laughs> if there's a hunting sound in the background i apologize because i'm turning on my phone now okay here we go so i'm looking what the devil what what, who did you kill? What is this? <laughs> so we'll obviously share these pictures later for anyone who isn't on social media. I All I am, I am seeing a vat with a, a muslin cloth over it and some sort of pink sludge that looks like a human has been ground up and forced <laughs> through. Is this what it is? Is this Sweeney Todd in a it's, really sophisticated it's ground way? ground up human. <laughs> No. Over this uh, receptacle, it's huge. I want to say vase. It's not a vase. It looks like a vase. It's a decanter. It, that, that will be it, yes. <laughs> it shows how unrefined I am. Okay, talk us through it. Explain everything. You have the ingredients I've lifted. So you've got rum, pineapple, campari, sugar, and lime. You have those in a mixing glass, a jug, or something like that. You then have a portion of milk, whole milk, generally. Uh, you mix the two together. The acids 
in the pineapple and lime mm. react with the milk, much as they did in the Golden Cadillac. Mm, and we all know how that ended. <laughs> but they react and the milk starts to separate. You get your into your curds and whey, pretty much. You leave it in a jug for a, a few hours until you get this nice pink gloopy goo. curdy goo pink because of the campari that's in it well yes that's why unbelievable and then strain it through some some muslin um into something the the curds settle on the inside of the muslin mm. and all the liquid is forced to be filtered through the curds and as it does so it strips out all of the that cloudiness a lot of the color you'll see from the pictures uh, drips into the your bottle below is this crystal clear yeah liquid the one i made got passed through twice mm. through this sort of curd filter um and it probably could have done with if i had time i would have done it a third time but it takes a good four or five hours for it to fully drip through and at the end you're left with this clarified cocktail that is just utterly beautiful because the process sort of it takes off a lot of the sharp edges a lot of that bitterness that you would expect with campari and with uh, pineapple as well can be quite sour sometimes mm. it just smooths off all those all those edges and creates a wonderfully blended rounded drink i'm just going to say it sorcery sorcery <laughs> well it is it is, it's ab- amazing. It, is, it is chemistry it is chemistry i can't believe you pulled this off neither can i to be honest <laughs> <laughs> but it goes to show that you can do this at home absolutely you can do it if you want it if you're you know a cocktail connoisseur or if you're a cocktail novice then give it a go it's one of those ones you don't need to buy citric acid or malic acid or any of those little extra bits and pieces you can do it just using your cocktail and a pint of whole milk well, not even a pint. It's like two ounces. But such a clever use of acid as well. Absolutely. The acid well, yeah. disrupts the milk, much like a body. Indeed. <laughs> and you can do it with so many drinks. Anything with um, citrus in, you, you could do it with. Wow. I am blown <laughs> away, Nick. So you went to all that effort to make a magical cocktail. And now you're going to treat us with a story. We are being spoiled, people. Spoiled. Absolutely. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, with our jung- uh, cl- excuse me, our clarified <laughs> Jungleberg cocktails firmly in hand, is it time for a story? It is certainly time for a story. It is the first episode of season two. We have to start with a bang. So today we do start with a story of Herman Webster Mudgett. Oh, perhaps my God. Better known as Dr. H. H. Holmes. <laughs> so one true crime fans out there will will know instantly the the name and the reputation and conjure up all manner of unpleasantness <laughs> there, are, there are people out there flipping the table rending their garments <laughs> yes hh holmes yes we've been waiting for this oh ho, 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 so this ho. is the poisonous cabinet take on hh holmes so we are in chicago chicago 
1893. Um, and the city is due to host the spectacular World's Fair, showcasing the wonders of American invention and ingenuity. Oh, yes. The city is booming and thousands of people flock to visit. For some, it'll be the last trip they ever take. No, because it's so bad they go, we're never going on holiday again. <laughs> Absolutely. Or they love it so much they never leave. They never leave. They never leave Buffalo Bill. After the exhibition, the list of those who never made it home is actually quite considerable. <laughs> Though, as we've said, many have just slipped through the cracks and are taken off elsewhere but for a a high number when the police try to track them down they they find the trail goes cold in a in a quiet out of the way neighborhood of englewood so today englewood has been consumed by the ever-expanding city but in the late 1800s it is a quiet little town on the southern outskirts it used to be a calm slow moving place but in recent years it has been getting busier and busier as chicago expands and englewood was growing rapidly from a quiet little town to quite a busy suburb oh, yes. um, of the city so it's about three miles away from the world's fair wasn't it yes indeed so not not far at all good location and also on the train tracks had the train going through it so it's a very popular place to for people to stop did it have a station or just was on the train tracks no they just they just leapt, <laughs> leapt on and off the train as it, as it went through people were being killed daily amongst the shop that supply the up and coming area sits holton's druggist love a druggist we love a druggist the chemist shop was a hub of the community and always busy i wonder why all the drugs 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 yes i have a cat that i need to kill arsenic for all mrs holton has been running the shop on behalf of her husband for some time dr holton had been quite unwell um and is confined to his bed but mrs holton is able to keep things ticking along um and whenever a more complex prescription came in she would scuttle upstairs consult her husband before coming back to make the preparation it's it's always works doesn't it but it was all becoming a bit much and she decided to advertise for a new pharmacist probably wise if she was just like playing pharmacist i'm married to one don't you know i've seen him work for many years i have this man has a broken leg how much aspirin will he need this person is dead what shall i give them liniment oil one day the store was as busy as ever um and she heard the bell above the door go why are you giggling at me? I just like the scene setting. <laughs> just like, yeah, there she is. There she is. She's busy. And she turns slowly. And what does she see coming through the door? She sees a very handsome and fashionably dressed young man walk in. He moves to the counter and introduces himself. I'm here concerning the position of pharmacist you posted in the daily newspaper. I am Dr. Holmes. Mrs. Holton explains that her husband is terribly ill and no longer able to work, but she goes quiet as the door opens again and another customer walks in. She don't, doesn't want anyone to overhear that her husband is unwell and cannot work. Don't all the customers know that it's her giving out the drugs? Yes, but I think they probably says, oh, he's out for, he's gone shopping or he's out on business somewhere, not he's upstairs dying. <laughs> Type it's thing. not a good sign in a pharmacist. Exactly. He's upstairs dying. But let me give you all the drugs that he's sorted out. Precisely. So they're, they're trying to keep that on the quiet slightly. Okay. Um, this customer hands the prescription to Mrs. Holton. She reads it and goes, ah, crap. I uh, don't know that one. So she heads to go upstairs to consult her husband. Um, but she stops. She turns and gives the prescription to Dr. Holmes. Straight away, he puts his cane down, takes his hat off, and begins taking bottles off shelves and gathering materials. Uh, he's grinding powder. Um, and very swiftly completes this order, this prescription, and makes the, the preparation that is that is needed. Mrs. Holton is desperately impressed by all this. He knew exactly what to do, what was going on, how to prepare everything, hires him on the spot. Nice. It does sound like you when you're making cocktails. <laughs> cane hat grinding up various powders me standing in the background just flabbergasted yes have money yes i am dr holmes no that's unpleasant no. <laughs> but if if mrs holton had been a tad more diligent in her checking of credentials things may have turned out very differently for dr holmes was not who he appeared to be no no is he sherlock holmes he was not Sherlock Holmes either. God damn it. <laughs> As we've established, Dr. Holmes' real name was Herman W. Mudgett. He had been born in 1860 in New Hampshire to a respectable and well-off family. But as a young man, Herman Mudgett changed his name, perhaps feeling that Herman Mudgett didn't portray the sense of elegance or gravitas that he was aiming for. It really doesn't. He, no. no, well, indeed not. He became Henry Howard Holmes. A much more... I think that's a much better name. I mean, it's a very good name. It's all of the H's. We, we like a bit of a 
of alliteration. In 1878, Holmes marries Clara Lovering, the daughter of a very prosperous farmer, and using an inheritance his wife has received, uh, he begins studying medicine at a local college. After a year, he's done very well, and he transfers to the medical school at the University of Michigan. But he does come with considerably higher tuition fees but he is a resourceful chap and he comes up with a plan to pay his dues okay as one does <laughs> he starts stealing cadavers from the laboratory oh of course as of yes like a common enough occurrence we've all been there we've all been we've young. all d- we've all done it haven't we we've all stolen a body tried to flog uh, it at weatherspoons <laughs> he would disfigure the corpses oh god and plant them in places where it would look as though they had been killed in tragic accidents what conveniently prior to this holmes has taken out an insurance policy on these family members what what so my dear my dear brother i must insure his life he's very very careless he's and then just... oh look my dear brother is dead so he's dragging bodies into the street saying oh they were my brother money please i think it may be slightly more complex than that well just with more theatrics more a lot more theatrics it, it does sound like it's exactly what happened <laughs> but yes stealing bodies from the from the school passing them off as some relative who has been involved in a dreadful accident and claiming insurance payouts i mean you can't do that for long you can't do that for long well he he does it quite successfully for several months he has five or six different family members who died (laughs) tragically but they're all for relatively small amounts of money so the insurance Mm. companies don't question anything too much perhaps a thousand dollars a few hundred dollars something like that so they just go it's just easier to get it over and done with just pay and we'll and be done with it okay but after playing it safe for say a few months he decides to up the ante and in one go he manages to collect twelve and a half thousand dollars oh good god from one scam it's a load of money afterwards perhaps feeling that he had been pushing his luck just a bit too much he leaves he abandons his wife and infant son and runs bastard clara returns to new hampshire and never sees her husband again so he's obviously got this penchant for the macabre early most certainly try and get insurance money but just drag corpses into the street okay perfectly normal (laughs) perfectly normal entirely normal for a number of years holmes moves from place to place in the city of st paul he seems to be a a law-abiding citizen so much so that the authorities appoint him to be the receiver of a bankrupt business they believe this this respectable and honest man will do the right thing and make sure the business is wound down correctly instead holmes strips the business bare and vanishes with the profits from st paul he turns up teaching in a village in new york state until one night he disappears leaving nothing but unpaid bills and a, a pregnant landlady what was he teaching well no i did not nothing just general subjects just math just maths english a bit of science one plus one equals i don't know stop bothering me pretty much just that sort of going thing. through all the finances in 1885 holmes rocks up in chicago um in the suburb of wilmette he files for divorce from clara but the proceedings take far too long and they are unsuccessful and eventually he just gives up on the whole thing um, and remains married but but of course i mean having a wife though is in no way going to stop him from getting married don't let a wife get in the way of a good marriage soon he goes down the aisle uh, with miss myrtle belknap oh no good name good name good name myrtle Myrtle. belknap Um, and it's just after his marriage to myrtle and the birth of their daughter Hmm. that holmes begins working at halton's druggist now mrs holton is delighted with her new employee Mm -hmm. he is so skilled and knowledgeable about the latest developments in medicine not at all stuffy and uptight like a lot of those fancy city doctors he is a great hit with the customers not only prepares orders quickly but he's always polite the charming smile and a witty remark the druggist becomes more and more popular and it is not long before it seems that holmes is running the store single-handedly in between mixing up prescriptions he has his nose in the accounts ledgers or he is chatting pleasantly with the ladies who come in ladies the ladies some of whom take a very very long time to make a very small purchase could you please just reach that thing from that shelf there really reach (laughs) and stand on the thing i'm just yes that's right yes and now that thing from that bottom shelf down there yes Yes, just oh no i dropped my pen (laughs) there's a lot of that going on the whole place is full of ladies there's just a queue around the block i need another (laughs) tablet not one anyone yes just a tablet he becomes a familiar face around the neighborhood as he strolls down 63rd street with his cane tapping on the ground (laughs) oh you love that detail don't you i love that absolutely yeah (laughs) 
obviously in a lot of the pictures you see he's got like the bowler hat on and things you yes. can imagine bowler hat cane stiff starched collars but you're imagining him like tapping the cane in time with his walking i mean he could just be banging it on the ground incessantly you know not knowing how to use a cane as penny farthings whiz by yes he could be insane and not know how to use a cane entirely possible eventually <laughs> dr halton finally succumbs to his illness and holmes sees his opportunity um and approaches mrs halton with a proposal she needs to rest retire from business and look after herself he offers to buy the business he will pay her a small allowance each month and she can continue to live in the rooms upstairs but the pharmacy would be his mrs holton is delighted with this arrangement and absolutely readily agrees and the papers are quickly signed but mrs holton doesn't see a dime she vanishes without a trace moves out west holmes tells anyone who asks um, and no she hasn't left a forwarding address out west uh, they've gone out, out west, west. <laughs> where just over there over there mm, who knows <laughs> in 1889 holmes purchases an empty plot across the street from the drugstore and begins construction on his masterpiece part store part home part hotel it is to be a wonder and bring people in from miles and miles around he continues to operate the drugstore he needs cash to fund his ambitious building projects and he expands to include a jewelry counter he hires a watchmaker ned connor to oversee the new venture ned arrives bringing his wife julia and daughter pearl with him and they settle into another apartment above the shop it's not long before julia catches holmes eye um, and Ned begins to suspect, quite rightly, that the two of them are having an affair. I mean, come on, on your own doorstep. On your own doorstep. And also bear in mind, Holmes is still married twice at this point. Yes, he's still got Myrtle He's now, still got he's Myrtle and wife. Clara. Well, Clara doesn't care anymore. Myrtle's very much in the Myrtle's vicinity. Myrtle's still about. So two Ugh. wives and now a mistress. Ned Connors decides to cut his losses. He cannot possibly compete with such a charming and handsome man as Holmes, and he leaves. He leaves his family and takes a job in an, in the city. Now that Holmes has Julia to himself, he gives her a job as a bookkeeper in the store mm-hmm. and takes out a large insurance policy on her and her daughter. Mm-hmm. Of, I mean, of course, naming himself as, as beneficiary. I mean, fuck the husband, though. Well, yeah, I mean, that's a bit of a shitty thing to do. Well, I suppose if she was cheating on She's him, cheating like, on okay, him, fine, I'm out. I'm out. But look after your daughter, for God's sake. Maybe she was just awful. Maybe she was just a terrible, terrible person. Terrible daughter. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> but by this time, much of Holmes's ill-gotten gains have been funneled into the construction of his grand project across the street the building is three stories high and holmes acts as his own architect personally supervising numerous construction crews um, all of whom are quickly hired and then fired just as fast by the end interesting over 500 carpenters laborers tradesmen have been employed in the construction but no one but holmes knows the full layout of the building that became known as the murder castle the murder castle i knew oh, that was oh, what oh, you were oh. waiting for i was gonna uh, say it but, soon. since you first mentioned it i've been on the edge of my seat waiting for that moment the murder castle i mean literally it's murder it's a castle yay <laughs> What's not to like? i should not say yay because it's not very pleasant no. what happens so anyone who doesn't know this story will be going what 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 I've, I've always wondered that we'll come back to this but i've always wondered how this building was built without anyone knowing what would be mm. the layout mm-hmm. without an ocean mm-hmm. building is completed in 1891 and opens to huge fanfare everyone is in awe of the building's elegance roman columns flank the entrance gold lettered signs swing above the door insides crowds <laughs> gather to marvel at all the, the polished wood paneling painted frescoes arched ceilings it is beautiful. Have no, has, has no one ever seen a building before? No, this is this is something special from a little suburb in Chicago. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, this is something <laughs> that people do not see every day. Do the ceilings go all the way up? <laughs> oh my God. This door opens and closes. But despite of the, the beauty inside, they have no idea of the array of fiendish and deadly contraptions that fills the rooms above. <laughs> <laughs> the upper floors were to be used 
as very spacious living quarters. Holmes has an office on the second floor, but the majority of the rooms are to be used for guests, drawn by surprisingly cheap rates and the proximity of the World's Fair exhibitions, guests that will never be seen again. While many of his victims are luckless guests who check into his hotel room, this is not Holmes' only method of gathering people to him. Many come to him through classified ads he places in small-town newspapers offering fantastic employment opportunities. Um, he has many a job for enterprising young women, secretaries, shopkeepers. We need people to run the hotel. <laughs> All, all women he's advertising for. Uh, oh, is yeah, it, pretty then? much. Absolutely. Sexy dames. Job? Question mark. Yeah, pretty much. Be my secretary. Crossed out. Secretary. <laughs> secretary. Come to the murder castle. Crossed out. World's Fair Hotel. Very few applications are turned down. <laughs> they, the, the surprised and successful applicant is then instructed to pack up their things and come straight to Chicago. They are also instructed to keep their destination very secret. <laughs> and do not tell people where you are going. Do not say my name to people. Do not tell people who you are going to work for. He tells them he has many sneaky and devious competitors who will use any means to try and steal information and wheedle his secrets out of him so he must remain as anonymous as possible see people love a secret adventure oh mystery Absolutely. mystery don't, mystery, don't do that if someone offers you a job and says but never speak my name or say where you're going to any of your loved ones don't go for that job when these clueless applicants arrives um, and Holmes is convinced that they have told no one of their destination they become his next victim so he's just built this place He's and this just place. thinks, I want to kill people. I want to kill everyone in the world, <laughs> he says. Just, just does it. Just does it. Just just for fun. Just for why just the for hell fun. Just not. built a huge castle of death. It's a massive castle of death. And we shall go into the details of the castle of death shortly. Okay. There's very many unpleasant things we will discover. Holmes is able to keep his murder operation secret for four years, all the while maintaining the facade of a respectable and well-liked pillar of the community. His canes got bigger every single day. Oh, absolutely. It's now gold. It's entirely gold cane now. <laughs> his the top, top hat, hat is, is silver. It's the size of him. The top hat is... <laughs> It takes four boys to carry it above his <laughs> it head. It does indeed. They're all there with sticks, like trying to hold it up. <laughs> and one, and two, and three, and four. Step in time. In 1893, Holmes meets Minnie Williams. He tells her that his name is Harry Gordon, um, and that he's a wealthy inventor. Holmes' Fine. interest has been piqued when he discovers that she is heir to a Texas real estate fortune. Oh, she's a southern belle. She's a southern belle with a with a fortune to come. It is not long but f- before she and Holmes are engaged to be married. Of course. Making wife number three. Now this new turn of events does not make Julia Connor happy. The mistress, oh, the mistress. who no. is still there working as a book- bookkeeper. She is still involved with Holmes and working at the store. It is not long after the engagement that both Julia and the daughter Pearl disappear. Uh, in oh. his late Later confession, he admits that he murdered them both because of their jealous feelings towards Minnie. He says, but I would have gotten rid of her anyway. I was tired of her. Jesus Christ. Minnie Williams lives at the castle for more than a year. Mm. And police say that there was no way that she could not have known what was going on around her. It is believed that Minnie must have known and maybe even assisted in the murder of Emily Van Tassel, a young lady who vanished just one month after she started work. From Sleepy Hollow? a candy store within the castle. Yes. Who would come from Sleepy Hollow to make her fortune. She'd escaped all that horror and then suddenly <laughs> come and work in this sweet shop of death. So they had so on, on the on the ground floor there were all these stores and little shops and absolutely. Things. So the 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 druggist has moved across. Yes. There's a restaurant and a barber and a candy store. So proper big kind of like department store almost sort of absolutely with, with it's apartments a, on top. It's massive. Yes, it's a massive massive complex. Oh, I love absolutely. the fact that there's a sweet shop in there though. Sweets for your children. They believe Minnie also knows about the murder of Emmeline Sigrand. <laughs> Emmeline has been a stenographer at the Keeley Institute in Chicago. Oh, An associate of Holmes, a chap called Ben Pietzel, had been a patient there to try and cure his drunkenness. And when he returns, he tells Holmes of this girl's beauty. Holmes contacts her straight away and offers <laughs> her more money than she can refuse to come and work for him. She accepts the job and comes to the castle. She never leaves. Her fiancé comes looking for her, and he too is never seen alive oh, again. God. 
All these people walking into the castle and never coming and out. And never leave. Holmes describes a stretching experiment which he used to kill the fiancé. Okay. Um, he uses a device of his own invention that will stretch a person to and beyond breaking point. Oh, good God. So, so his, a- own, his own version of the rack. <sighs> and he is used to kill the searching fiance so he's got the fiance in he's knocked him unconscious and then dragged him to his chamber of horrors indeed and then put him oh my god you're just looking for your girlfriend and then you wake up on the rack not gonna be a fun way that's a bad that's a that's a bad tuesday Tuesday. (laughs) i just came for some humbug yes i only wanted some sweets in april 1893 minnie's property in texas minnie the the wife number three heiress, yes. the, the heiress. her property is is transferred to a man named benton t lyman who <laughs> is in fact ben pietzel um he is the the accomplice of Holmes. yes so the all minnie's property is transferred to him but in a different name okay later that same year minnie's brother is killed in a mining accident in colorado which many people believe that Holmes had orchestrated <laughs> okay fair enough he controls the mines now. He controls the mines or that block of dynamite. <laughs> oh, so he's blown up rather than he was he was killed by just Holmes running at him with a pickaxe. Yeah. Yes, he's killed in sort of in the, what they believe what is explained as a mining accident. So pickaxe through the head. He's very brutally, sadly shot in the face while mining. Exactly. Um, <laughs> so I do not know the details of how. Holmes manages to get Minnie to go along with many of his schemes. According to Holmes, in June 1893, Minnie has had accidentally killed her own sister nanny during an argument he reported that she had thrown a chair at her sister in it while she was in a rage um and the chair had caught a nanny in the head and killed her outright oh holmes said he had protected minnie by dropping the body into lake michigan and from then on minnie did whatever was asked of her oh that's Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so if you're going to stay with a man that long and if you're going to stay in the castle... He's got to have something... He's holding something over you. She's got to know. Well, I mean, he's obviously had so many wives and mistresses. Maybe she was blissfully ignorant. But then there, there are women who are, you know, who just who just don't want to know. Who don't know everything, but they, they choose not to know. Absolutely. I don't know about Minnie, though. I think she could well have been in on the whole thing. Who knows? Or just been... Obviously has a temper on her. Clearly, obviously has a obviously has a a bad temper Mm. on her. At the end of that year, Holmes and Minnie travel to Denver with yet another young woman, Georgiana Yoke, who has come to Chicago from Indiana with a tarnished reputation. Okay, did she serve red wine with place? She may well have done. Good God, that that would have done it. Really, she would have had to have leave the city after that. Holmes tells her that his name is Henry Howard and that Minnie is in fact his cousin. On the seventeenth of January, eighteen. 94 only months after their meeting holmes and georgiana are married oh, for god's sake with minnie as their witness well, okay so she's definitely in on she everything is definitely why in is on he it. obsessed with marrying people so this is why, for, why this marry? is wife number four why with minnie there's a there's a thing of inheritance she was a rich mm. yeah she expected to inherit georgiana absolutely not she came with her tarnished reputation that doesn't bring a lot of cash with you so is it just a power thing that yeah, he can get these a, women just a sexual power have his harem after after the marriage um the three of them travel to texas where holmes in his characteristically scheming way purchases several railroad cars of horses and using counterfeit banknotes he then signs the papers for the purchase as a a mr oc pratt has the horses shipped to st louis and sold and before anyone knows anything is wrong holmes makes off with an absolute fortune fair enough and scarpers clever he's made another wadger cash to continue funding his castle the three return to chicago minnie is never seen alive again really her body is never found but it is believed to join other victims in an acid vat <gasps> in the basement acid we have some acid it's the first time we've had an acid bath on the show so yeah and not a, not, not just a bath a vat. a vat a vat well you would need a vat well, you would expect a Depends vat in a castle. yes exactly <laughs> like a wine <laughs> vat but bad very bad but yes very 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 unpleasant. not a good yes. year in july 1894 holmes is arrested for the first time not for murder as one might expect um but for the great texas horse swindle (laughs) georgiana bails him out (laughs) 
Can you imagine the people have arrested them for this horse swindler? <laughs> oh, he's a terrible criminal. Let's just go into his house. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is far bigger than we'd ever imagined. Yeah. But they're, oh, well, no, the horses aren't here. Let's leave. <laughs> <laughs> Do you see any horses in here? Help us! While in jail, he gets chatting to a convicted train of robber named Marion Hedgepeth. Holmes concocts another plan to con yet another insurance company mm. out of $20,000 by taking out a policy on himself and faking his own death. Nice. I like a fake death. That's quite good. Holmes promises Hedgepeth a $500 commission in exchange for the name of a lawyer who can be trusted to perhaps sign things that shouldn't be signed or looks like look the other way and he is directed to colonel jephthah howe okay that's not that's not a name jephthah howe colonel colonel jephthah jephthah howe howe it does sound like just vowels together <laughs> colonel jephthah howe it sounds like something you say when you're trying to say something when you're drunk he was directed to the colonel to the colonel the chicken <laughs> <laughs> who found holmes's plan to be most brilliant oh absolutely jeff howell just say my name right once and i'll help you <laughs> holmes takes a cadaver to a resort in rhode island and burns it <laughs> disfiguring it horribly i thought you were gonna say like to a resort in rhode island for a lovely time for a lovely lovely it break. was like weekend at bernie's the preview <laughs> they had such a jolly time <laughs> and then they went home and then they went home oh shit i have to burn this <laughs> he burns it and disfigures it and dumps it on the beach he then shaves his own beard and makes himself look quite different dyes his hair puts some big goggly glasses on and returns to his hotel this time he registers under a, another name and inquires about his friend. Mr. Holmes, has he arrived? Where is he? I was expecting to meet him here, he says. What? When the body is discovered on the beach, he identifies it as Mr. Holmes, his um, dear friend who he has come here to see. He just runs up with his huge glasses. Runs up with his huge glasses and also with this huge insurance policy for $20,000 that he just happens to have in his pocket for Absolutely. his friend. Absolutely, that's what you do. However, the insurance company do suspect that something might be a tad awry with this and they do refuse to pay. Holmes returns to Chicago. He does not press the claim and he begins refining uh, a new version of the scheme. A month later, Holmes held a meeting with Ben Pietzel and Jep for Howe um, and his new plan is revealed and put into action. I mean, that's a difficult meeting because no one can say each other's names. No, <laughs> absolutely not. Ben Pietzel, just... Howe, uh, Jesus, let's just call you number one, number two, it's, three, it's, it's fine. Ben and the Colonel. Ben, the Colonel, and Holmesy. <laughs> <laughs> Pietzel goes to Philadelphia with his wife Carrie, and they open a shop under the name of B.F. Perry. Holmes then takes out an insurance policy on Mr. B.F. Perry. The plan is for Pietzel to drink a potion that will knock him out. <gasps> a potion? Yeah. Then Holmes will make up his face to look like though it had been severely burned. Oh, for God's sake. It's only got to fall like a casual passerby who's not going to look too closely because it's obviously quite gruesome and bloody and nasty. This witness will then summon an ambulance and while they are gone trying to get this ambulance, Holmes exchanges the, a corpse for Pietzel. Okay. The insurance company will be told that he had died and the money will roll in. And Pietzel will, of course, receive a portion of the policy in exchange for his role in the drama. The accident takes place on the morning of September the 4th. Uh, Neighbours hear a loud explosion from the shop and rush to see what has happened. Uh, they find the door locked and the building in darkness. Concerned after hearing the explosion, they summon the police who force their way in and they found a the body of a badly burned man on the floor the death is quickly ruled an accident and the body is taken to the morgue days later attorney jeff the howe files a claim with the insurance company and collects the money the, the claim is paid without hesitation everyone gets their share except for ben pietzel and marion hedgepeth the train robber Mm. Holmes never contacts the train robber again which rather pisses him off and in revenge or retribution he spills the beans on the whole scam to a prison guard um, who in turn tells an insurance investigator who in turn then passes the information to Frank Geyer pinkerton agent oh the pinkertons yeah who immediately begins an investigation good for him we've got nothing else to do ben pietzel never receives his share of the money either he's dead <gasps> why split the money with your accomplice when you can simply kill them far far easier 
Holmes, of course, had kept that part of the plan a secret, as he and Georgiana are now travelling with Ben Pitzel's wife, Carrie, and her three children around the country. She believes that her husband is hiding out in New York, and they will all be reunited soon with this new wealth. Holmes quickly learns that there is a Pinkerton agent on his trail, and the group split up to try and cover their tracks. Carrie is sent to Indiana, Georgiana to Vermont, and the children are left in the care of Holmes. Oh God, no! Well, he's not—he's not showing himself to be a caring. He's—he he doesn't seem like the overly parental type it must be said the insurance scheme is starting to unravel Carrie Pietzel is becoming more and more demanding where was her husband where are her children the Pinkerton agent finds Georgiana at her parents home in Indiana and Carrie Pietzel was then found in Burlington Vermont um, where Holmes had rented a small house Holmes apparently had lived in the house with her for several days but had grown angry and left when she started questioning him about a hole that he was digging in the back garden (laughs) Detective Gaya is starting to slowly uncover the secret lives of Henry Howard Holmes Carrie Pietzel is pleading with him to find her children that Holmes is still trailing around the country in Chicago Gaya learns that all of Holmes's mail has been forwarded every day to New York. To New York, it's going to Detroit, from Detroit to Toronto, from Toronto to Cincinnati, from Cincinnati to Indianapolis, and on and on and on and on and on. And Gaya follows this trail for eight months through the Midwest and up into Canada. In Toronto, he finds the cottage. In Toronto, he finds a cottage at 16 Vincent Street that had been rented to a man fitting Holmes' description who had been travelling with two young girls. Holmes has borrowed a shovel from a neighbour claiming that he wanted to dig a hole to store potatoes. Oh, for God's sake. Gaya borrows the same spade and started digging through the disturbed earth. There he finds the body of Nellie and Alice Pietzel. Why did he travel that far just to kill them? God knows. They were obviously too much for him to deal with this terrible discovery makes gail work even harder to find out what has happened to howard pietzel the the third child he learns that the pietzel girls had told neighbors that they had a brother who was living in indianapolis and now with this tiny clue gail goes to indianapolis painstakingly searches the city for any trace of holmes finally in the suburb of irvington he finds a house that holmes has rented for a week the place had been empty since holmes had left and in the kitchen stove Gaia finds the charred remains of Howard Pietzel. Oh, God. The door is now wide open for Gaia and the Chicago detective to search all of Holmes' property. Gaia is sure that the remaining answers to all the questions could be found inside the castle, but neither Gaia nor the investigators will ever forget what they find inside. Detectives devoted several weeks to searching and making a detailed floor plan of the castle. The bottom floor, as we've established, is used as a drugstore, candy store, restaurant, jewellery store, and the third floor has been divided into small apartments and guest rooms that appear never to have been used it is the second floor where they discover a maze of narrow winding passages doors that open to brick walls hidden stairways concealed doors blind alleyways secret panels hidden passages a secret vault that is only big enough for a single person to stand in the room was thought to be a homemade gas chamber equipped with a chute that would carry a body directly to the basement <laughs> practical yeah, well absolutely yeah i mean you don't you don't, you don't want to be doing stairs you don't want to be carrying a body up those stairs the floor also holds 35 guest rooms many of them are fitted out as ordinary rooms and they are in use by various staff who have not yet been killed <laughs> but others are little more than prison cells without windows some are asbestos and, and iron lined oh. with gas jets in the walls and scorch marks on the floor the basement terrifies and stuns the men even further here they find holmes's blood spattered dissecting table oh god gruesome collection of torture devices sharpened instruments and jars of poison a crematorium still containing ash and portions of bone that had not burned away a search of the ashes revealed a watch that had belonged to minnie williams Sunk into the floor, the police find a huge vat of corrosive acid alongside two quicklime pits, which can entirely dissolve a body in a matter of hours. A wood-burning stove in the centre of the basement contains scraps of cloth, and Ned Connor is summoned to the castle to identify a bloody dress that had once belonged to Julia. Following these horrifying discoveries, the murder castle sits empty everyone leaves 
You would think, yes. One, one would hope you need to leave now. Oh, there's someone in there just going, no, I'll just stay here. It's a very good rate now. Very, yeah, absolutely. I'm to getting stay it very in this rate. walls of death and horror and hauntings. But unsurprisingly, people come from miles around to gawp and gossip, try and break in, try and explore, see what was going on, see mm. what traps and secret things they can find that the police have missed newspapers are filled with stories and illustrations and pictures about holmes's murder castle and what lay within on the 19th of august just after midnight three loud explosions rock the quiet suburb flames erupt from the abandoned building and in less than an hour the roof has caved in and the walls begin to collapse in on themselves. Some say it is an accomplice of Holmes burning down the house to hide his role in the atrocities. Others say that it was neighbours who wanted to rid themselves of such an awful memory and the macabre tension that it was bringing to them. I'd say the, I'd say the latter is more likely. I don't, I don't think anyone's going to go, well, burn it so no one knows that Holmes was involved. He built it. An accomplice who burnt it down so they didn't know that they were involved. So a, oh, an untoward, right. oh, unknown accomplice had burnt it down in case <laughs> they were trying to burn down the evidence. Of, I think that, you know, the, the blame is firmly with Holmes. Leave it be. Well, 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 precisely. The mystery is never solved. But either way, mm. the castle was gone for good. The trial of Herman Mudgett <laughs> begins just before Halloween, 1895. <laughs> and lasts only six days. Yeah. But he's one of the most sensational in the country. Holmes breaks down and weeps when Georgiana takes the stand as a witness for the prosecution. Mm. He eventually fires his own attorneys and attempts to conduct his own defence. <laughs> and it's reported that he's actually very good. He's very eloquent and very clever, um, but it is really too little, too late. Nothing is going to prevent what's coming. The jury deliberate for two and a half hours before returning a guilty verdict. Afterwards, they they reported that they had agreed on the verdict in just one minute <laughs> but had remained out for longer for the sake of appearances yes um, <laughs> it was a marvellous buffet yeah, well, there was, absolutely. Very, very there was some snacks. very nice sandwiches on the november the 30th the judge sentences holmes to death he is to die on 7th of may 1896 just nine days before his 36th birthday he is led from his cell to the gallows and a black hood is placed over his head the trap door opens beneath him and holmes quickly drops his head snaps to the side though the force of the fall has snapped his neck his heart continues to beat for nearly 15 minutes mm. he is finally declared dead at 10:25 on the 7th of may 1896 his coffin was buried under two tons of concrete wow <laughs> to stop his corpse being dug up and either kept as some fantastic memorial or mm. by the vic- or by relatives of the victims to entirely destroy him there was no way anyone was getting at him for whatever reason and this is a very unpleasant story of h h ohms da, 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 the murder, the murder castle. castle what a story oh h h holmes oh my god what a it's, he's got such a fascinating life and oh, for sure. That story could fit in with the, I suppose, the life story of any of the poisoners that we've previously covered, where you've got someone who was just moving around, taking out insurance policies, getting rid of their family members, just enough to be a horrible, horrible murderer. But the murder castle. <laughs> yes. Is that, that's just stepping it up a notch. But then to create this hotel, this house of horrors, which are all, de- you know, which seems to be designed to psychologically fuck with you as well as torture yeah, you absolutely yeah you know if the, you did the escape Id- from your room you probably wouldn't get out because it's such a maze that's it the the idea that he's if he's gassing people in the rooms if you're running down the corridors and the corridors lead to nowhere and that idea of opening a door and running into brick walls in peril i mean it's 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 an absolute fever dream nightmare brought to life there was one there was a, a staircase that just went up and up and up and then the door opened to nothing and you'd fell oh. three stories oh um, god that's just horrible. I don't like it. I'm just going to read you a small passage from The Devil in White City by Eric Larson, who's a really good author who also wrote a book about Dr. Crippen. So this is a book that juxtaposes Holmes' opening of the World's Fair Hotel and the construction of the World's Fair in Chicago and all the troubles and everything that happened with the construction of the World Fair, but also a serial killer being in town. But it says at the end about Holmes's trial, there were lots of ideas that, Holmes was the devil and people were calling Mm. out that he was Satan incarnate and he was evil 
It said, strange things began to happen that made Holmes's claims about being the devil almost plausible because he claimed he was the devil. Detective Gaia became seriously ill. The warden of the prison that he was held in committed suicide. The jury foreman was electrocuted in a freak accident. The priest who delivered Holmes's last rites was found dead on the grounds of his church in mysterious causes. The father of Emmeline Sigrand, the stenographer, was grotesquely burned in a boiler explosion and a fire destroyed the office of of the district attorney, leaving only photographs of Holmes unscathed. (laughs) And it was also said that when he was hanged, he turned to the hangman and said, take your time, old man. (laughs) Oh, H.H. Holmes, what an absolute mentalist <laughs> that, that's one way of putting it yes <laughs> so I, I still can't gather round and I've, I've read a few things about H.H. H. Holmes and I've got that book there as well but just why why the construction of the hotel I mean he's obviously an absolute psychopath and lunatics and loves torturing people but it, I can't find many kind of psychological studies or, or explanations of why he did all of this mm. just this what, what the hell motivated this guy to construct this kind of hotel, as well as killing people off willy-nilly and claiming insurance on them. He could have just done that. He could have just done that. Don't construct the Hotel of Death. He could have made a lot more money by not constructing it. So to have those just compulsions to to do it. To do that. Yeah, so he gassed people. So it's a form of poisoning. Yes, burning. That's not a form of poisoning at all. Burning is not a form of poisoning. We said that some some were held for months um, before finally being dispatched with but were held in these soundproofed tiny tiny rooms that just no one knew they were there what always puzzles me and it's the devil in the detail quite literally (laughs) of how that fucking hotel was constructed well yes and the 500 construction people who were hired and fired fair enough and that makes sense if if no one ever works on one bit more than often you've got one one chap who's put that shoot in and did he not question, go, why the hell have I put a shoot in? Because there's, there's like one person who's done that. Yes. Or there's one person who's bricked up a doorway and gone, well, that's a bit weird. Yeah. And, and has created a sunken pit. Yeah. And is, that, is it a swimming pool? Sure. Yeah. Sure. Sure. sure why so, not? It's a hot tub. It's a hot tub. Someone's put in the chute and he's like, it's for the children. It, and, and also constructing these doors and gas, pe- and, and gas valves yeah, and gas that valves are going to come into the, and... to the room. How is no one questioning this? How is no one getting their union together going, we're very, very worried about the World's Fair Hotel? A, it doesn't seem like a hotel. It seems like a a room of death, a giant place of death and horror. But, you know, we're on the clock. So maybe just don't question it. Yeah. How how these things are constructed. Who knows? Beggars belief, but it happens. But it happens, absolutely. It, it happens. It does happen. It doesn't happen often. It doesn't happen well, no, often. Th- th- thankfully not. Thankfully not. Um, that is it generally oh encouraging. Oh my God. It's one of the most chilling things about H.H. H. Holmes that I've found. I'm just going to say the lack of explanation. Of course, how do we know why anyone, any of the serial killers or the murderers that we've covered do what they do? No. It just seems he is just so bizarrely extravagant and, it's, and yeah, just got on with it's it. It's just like, must have started off smaller. He must have had like a shed of torture or something <laughs> and then moved up to like a, a bungalow of death or something. And then, yes. And then moved up to his grand three story block sized hotel yeah. of murder. Um, a semi of stabbing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So <laughs> a salon of, uh, of mild a, n- n- annoyance. A terrace of terror. <laughs> um, all, all of those things going on. But yeah, there, there, are, there are stages, one one thinks, that one has to, before going, no, I'm going to build a massive hotel and kill everyone. But he's obviously such an arrogant man. Well, he's married absolutely. everyone. Every, there was no woman left in Chicago yeah, after he'd gone through married. them. But a great, great story to start off season two. A horrible, horrible man, way up the bastardometer. So yeah, I, mean, I think we may have to get a new bastardometer for this one. But what do you think, people? Tell us about your favourite H.H. Holmes stories. I will go out on a limb and say that because they're, they're, they're out there. Oh, God, there yeah, are so there was, many stories. I mean, there are whole books and things on this. I mean, this could, this could have gone on for hours. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and, and covered by many other fantastic podcasts as well and made famous. Thank you, Nick, so much for giving us so much detail. And yes, it's good. Good, good story. But tell us your own favourite stories about him or the theories that you have or the rumours. You know, we love an H.H. H. Holmes story. Have there been any 
any really good films made about H.H. H. Holmes? No, I don't know if they have, actually. That's what I was thinking. Um, there really hasn't been a good adaptation. Maybe it's prime no. for a Netflix series. We can write it. Guys, weigh in. Everyone pick a scene. Uh, <laughs> you will write a page. And by sort of summer, we'll have a script we'll have together. We'll Netflix can't turn it down. No, absolutely. Yes, tell us your thoughts. Tell us your theories. And come and have a chat with us. Come and have a chat now. We're back on the air. Tell us of more stories you'd like us to cover in season two. As we said, we can do plenty more poisoning stories if you send them, send us ideas for them. Um, but also weird, macabre murders. The weirder, the better. The stranger, the better. The more creepy and weird that we can sit around and huddle around our cocktails and get up. <laughs> set about of course i have written all of the episodes for season well, two well, but you know what i'll rewrite them based on your suggestions so the recipe for, and the method uh, for the jungle bird uh, will be out on friday so i really do recommend give it a go it's bloody lovely it takes a bit of time it takes a bit of prep but start it friday night you'll have a fantastic drink for saturday and a brilliant way to start the weekend Friday night, revisit some of the classic cocktails from the Poisoner's Cabinet, your favourites, but get the prep done for the clarified Jungle Bird because it's really worth it. It is phenomenal. I'm blown away by that. And I think you'll enjoy doing it just to see the difference that this clarification process makes. Chemistry. 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 And also... Use a muslin cloth. Get a muslin cloth from, okay, wherever you are. This, this is Sinead's little tip here. Sinead's little tip. Muslin cloths that you use for babies, you know, to mop yep. up the sick. Like five five pounds for a packet of like five. Get that. Use this for the thingy and you can strain your almond milk in it. It's fine. But also cut up little squares of it. Use it as a little exfoliating face cloth every day. It could give you beautiful, beautiful skin. Not once you've had the cocktail through it. I mean, use <laughs> Not it once clean. it's covered in like alcoholic cheesy curds. I, I mean, I've never tried it, but go for it. It could make it could make the best face mask. Well, you, well mask that is very true. Ever tried? That's very but true. But yeah, see, it's a double investment. It's investment in your skin. It's investment in your liver. Thanks for listening, guys. We have been the people inside the poisoner's cabinet. We will see you next week. And remember, your loved ones are trying to kill you. Bye.